It's Tuesday, May 10th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hansen, from Inside Value, Joe Mager, and from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann. Guys, good to see you. Hello. We have got the latest from Greece and a bidding war in the rental car industry, but we will begin with the certifiable big story of the day. Microsoft has agreed to buy Skype, the internet telephone service company, for $8.5 billion, the largest acquisition in Microsoft's history. Did you notice that the conference call started five minutes late? Like they were probably having problems <laughs> with Skype? That, that, that probably doesn't bode well. Uh, Hold on, we got to get our technology in order. Exactly. Uh, this gives Microsoft access to Skype's user base of 170 million people. Which includes me, although I do not pay for the service. Wow, it's just and get, me. It's just getting better do and better. Do you pay for the service, Joe? Nope. Can I finish my read? I'm no, sorry, Chris. go no. for it. Mic- what, do you, what do you got next? Microsoft said it will integrate Skype's functions to its Xbox game system, Windows smartphones, etc. Uh, Joe, Microsoft is a recommendation in the Inside Value service. Uh, I'm a shareholder. How should I be feeling about this deal? Okay. Well, there are a lot of positives. There's the uh, thing. The thing. Okay, so we'll start with the they're negatives. Some I'll, guys. I'll get around they're to They're getting some positive. guys. They got some guys. <laughs> they got some guys. They got users who don't pay like me. So they paid roughly Eyeballs. double, according to TechCrunch, what Google was willing to bid, and Google is always the person who's willing to outbid everyone else. So, so right away, <laughs> you know that you just flushed $4 billion down the toilet immediately. Um, Microsoft's thinking is that this somehow plugs into their web platform, which they've been very weak on. They've been losing about $750 million a quarter uh, in their web operations. Maybe they can somehow integrate this into their office and windows experience maybe they can start to monetize this base of people who aren't willing to pay <laughs> i'd like to talk to you about my spreadsheet is that what's going on here yeah That's... i'm uh, i'm pretty skeptical of all those things i mean this is a total commodity product that you've already got a google voice rival out there um cellular plans are falling so you think the board. so for you it's not just a question of wow they pay too much you think this is a bad move at any price it, well i think it's a huge waste of money and a strategic uh, mistake that they're going to go down this road of spending time trying to integrate this thing in here. Uh, I was going to say maybe the time that is actually the yeah. bigger cost. Microsoft has a lot of money, but this is now I think the biggest acquisition they've ever made, and so you is. have to think that senior management is going to be pretty pretty focused on it, which means they won't be focused on something right. Else. And the, their biggest acquisition that has nothing to do with their core platform or or office services. Bill? Microsoft uh, has been acquisitive in the past, but the thing that they've done well is they've gone out and they've bought technologies. They've bought things that they could plug into what they already have. And they're they're very adept at that. Well, they they used to be adept at that. Fair enough. (laughs) What's the stock done today? It's off like one and a half percent. Okay. So So a couple billion. A couple billion dollars. Got a couple billion to go. But But, I mean, just to, to play devil's advocate here, um, Good luck. If thank you. Um, if, for example, your Cisco systems, if Cisco's you know done pretty good business in terms of its WebEx you know business um, video conferencing. Um, they can't feel good about this because Microsoft already has all of these business customers with uh, with their Windows operating system. If they can now come in and basically offer an alternative to WebEx, um, doesn't that just totally cut Cisco down? Well, I think Cisco's already getting cut down in a lot of <laughs> different directions. I mean, and they're kind of a big picture, similar story. You've got these two aging tech titans from the 90s who both have great core competencies uh, that are totally under siege right now, and they don't know what to do with all this cash, so they go out and 
flush it. Which yeah, is what I mean Microsoft maybe, but also here. remember that Skype is basically it's 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 a consumer technology, and Cisco has just gotten rid of the the consumer technology and the flip cam that it bought. You know, what was that three weeks ago? They decided to get out of that business. Yep, yep. So, uh, if, if they're looking to make a transition so that Skype becomes a business application, I mean. Well, you still, be- you still haven't answered the question of how they make money from it. I mean, it becomes a business application, and maybe it gets bolted on to make other services more attractive. But at that point, you're spending $8.5 billion on something that is, is a very defensive maneuver. And to me, that's a lot of money to spend to play defense for a business that they've argued and yeah. analysts have argued for years is extreme, has a huge moat because of its installed base of operating platforms and things like that. And so if all they're intending to do with this is play defense, and, and Steve Ballmer said on the conference call not too long ago that they really haven't thought about a strategy for monetization yet. I think they would, might have done that before they let $8.5 yeah. billion dollars go out the door. But if this is just a defensive move, it's a very defensive or a very expensive defensive move that says volumes about the durability of this otherwise blue chip business. Yeah. Chris, I think you're going to put us all in the maybe camp. <laughs> all right. So three years from now, in one word, how will we characterize this acquisition? Joe? Can I use a hyphen? Sure. I'll say write down. <laughs> write down. Bill? I was going to say reversed, but, you know. Tim? I'll say it's going to become its own word. They Skyped it. Wow, it becomes three years <laughs> You'll from now. You'll be able to bing it in we'll, three years. We'll look back and say it was such a bad deal, it becomes its own It will become meme. the Q-tip of bad acquisitions. <laughs> All right. The Wall Street Journal reported today that Greece expects that a June audit of its budgets will show that a new financial aid package will be needed to cover its financing needs for the next two years. What year is this? What year is this? Yeah, this is last year's paper. Or? Oh, no, no. This was today. Today? Yeah. More. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tim, the figure being discussed is 60 billion euro. That's $86 billion. Was this, I guess I'll start with, was this a surprise at all to you? If someone was surprised by this, then they have not been reading um, any of the papers over the past year. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it was, it was always known that Greece would have to refinance at some point. Just like you know, the homeowner who could make their mortgage payments, but was never going to be able to tolerate the interest rate hike that was coming down the line. They needed to yeah. roll this over, yeah. and that's what we're looking at now for the country. This was never something they were going to solve in one to two years. It's a five to ten year solution to the extent they can solve it. Um, I think the the bigger picture is um, when they do refinance their debt. What is the magnitude of the haircut? Um, But I do think they ultimately do successfully refinance this debt and do get it rolled over because of their their political ties to the EU are too close that the, the, as we said in the past, the more well financially endowed member nations will step in and help Greece simply because they have no other choice. Yeah, I think that what's interesting is is that you're you're hearing tales of the Greek government hinting that it might leave the euro. And ha, well... (laughs) I mean, basically, this is going to be done on the backs of, you know, of the Greek people. And while I am loath to bring up Argentina as a country that has done it right, you know, in the 90s, they defaulted on their debt. And within three years, they were back to, the, uh, to, to their pre-crisis GDP. Uh, it, Greece is looking at a long, long road uh, if they don't uh, default on their debt or restructure somehow. If you're Germany or one of these other 
as you indicated. Well, financially endowed nation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, as relatively speaking, by the way. <laughs> um, you know, what are you, what are you requiring as a haircut? What are you saying to Greece that's saying, okay, if we give you this package, here's what we want in exchange? Well, I mean, the haircut would be to the, the current lenders who yeah, have Yeah, that given, would be German banks, Right, and the banks would get hit pretty hard. I mean, I mean and it's Greek, Greek banks, German banks, yeah. French banks, they would bear the brunt of a renegotiation. Um, and, they, and they may be willing to do it because right now there's a big question mark on their books about the value of this, this Greek debt. You know, in, in terms of, you know, it's going to be an interesting discussion between Germany and Greece and, and the rest of the EU because, you know, as Bill rightly said, the Greek people don't quite have the appetite to saddle all of the obligations of austerity that would probably be imposed on them. Yeah. That said, there, there, there is no political process governing the EU that would enable a country to leave. It just doesn't exist. So they'd have to go through a refer, uh, um, an amendment. Uh, constitutional amendment process. All of those things. That, right. I mean, yeah, you know the bureaucracy of the EU. They have referendum um, <laughs> votes. You know, right. On, I mean, this is. I mean, it would be four to five years before they would figure out a way for Greece to even leave. I mean, obviously they could maybe pull out sooner, but gosh, it's a messy situation. So I think Greece and Germany and France ultimately get together and reach a solution where there, there's some mutual benefit, where Greece doesn't crush its people, um, but Greece does stay in the EU because if they leave, the integrity of the entire union is compromised, and then there's no reason for a lot of those countries to be in. Tim, you've gone back and forth over the last few years on the future of the euro. Uh, based on this latest iteration, where are you? Uh, you know, I, I, like I, as I said before, I was, I was, I thought the euro would you go away. You were for it before you were against <laughs> <Right>. it. <Yeah. laughs> the, uh, you know... <laughs> I didn't think the euro had any any political will to exist. It just makes no sense that countries like Greece should be in a monetary union with countries like Germany. It's just not it's not workable. Um, you know, but what I what I realized I think over the past year year and a half is that a there's no process to disband it. So that's that's a multi year problem. And b the people who constructed this euro are still in political power in Europe. Yeah. And their legacies rest on its rescue. And so they are not going to vote to let it go away because then their entire, you know, everything that they spent their political lives working to build up gets torn down. And, and, and that's not an attractive proposition for a politician. It really will be interesting to see how much the Greek people and the Greek voters are willing to tolerate. And finally, there is the human drama of athletic competition, but that is nothing compared to the corporate drama we have this week in the battle between Hertz and Avis for Dollar Thrifty. Hertz has offered to buy Dollar Thrifty for two and a quarter billion in cash, which tops the latest bid by Avis. Bill, man, you were you were pretty fired up about this topic. What? Uh, why so much interest in the rental car industry? Well, I guess that's why I'm fired up about it. We were talking about it beforehand, and. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this this deal is the biggest margin above the bid price for a company over a billion dollars that's been seen in in a decade. I mean, uh, so basically, the bid was fifty dollars, and uh, I think Hertz said, "Well, this is our best and final offer." And then they've come out and now it's seventy two dollars. I really just think it's two things. I mean, it's it's one. They were talking to Microsoft's corporate development. Team. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Go Skype big. wasn't available. <laughs> I mean, I think it's two things. One is they have cash, and cash is just sitting there. And two, they don't want the other guy to get it. It's not like it's not that they see a whole lot of va- this much value in this, but they see a whole lot of problems should the other guy win it. So it's strategic, and it's you know it's it's again, and we've talked about this before. An outcome of interest rates being almost zero is that companies are just looking to do something with their cash. Stupidity. 
War- <laughs> War- and three. As we've discussed before, Warren Buffett has said time and again that you know the airline industry is one he wants no part of whatsoever. Is this an industry, regardless of this deal, is this an industry that has ever interested you as an investor, or have you just taken a look at it and decided, no, this isn't for me? Yeah, I've never been that excited about the rental uh, you car know, industry. You know, it doesn't make a lot of money. And I, I don't. Huge I don't, capital cost. A huge capital cost because you constantly upgrade your fleet. So I mean, it's similar to airlines in that regard. And and like airline tickets, I don't know anybody who signs on. You know, who goes to 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 rent a car who doesn't immediately look at the cheapest possible option given their size constraints. Yeah. And, and so you've got pricing pressure, huge capital costs. I mean, that, that that's a bad business. Uh, in defense of Avis, though, they do have a great ticker symbol. Their ticker symbol is car. So oh, that, that's pretty good. I think yeah. that <laughs> it's a buy. I, I think I think that joins the pantheon of great they... of great ticker symbols like you know yum and eat Wolf. and rig, hog. hog. I wonder I wonder how who they paid. You know what consultancy came up? We got to see if cars available. Exactly, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we, the sad thing is that conversation actually probably happened. <laughs> yeah, probably did. Um, <laughs> When you're renting a car, Tim, I'll just start with you. Uh, you you've already Tim's in- not 25. I've, I've only been renting cars for a few months now, Chris. So maybe uh, I'm not the best person. You've already indicated you're looking for the cheapest price. Is I hate there, you all. Like, when you're looking at it, because when I'm renting a car, it just seems to me like there are so many things being offered to me that just seem like ripoffs. That just seem like, really, $15 a day for GPS? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, is that is that the biggest ripoff? Is it the prepaid gas? That just seems like, I, I, I just feel like that's a scam waiting you know, so I, I have a somewhat related story in this regard where I've always thought that the, you know, the additional insurance you could buy was a scam because who <laughs> crashes their rental car? Right. Um, but we were, I was at a bachelor party in Colorado and we were going to go snowmobiling during the day. And as when you're running a car, when you run a snowmobile, you're given the option to purchase additional insurance, which was, I think, 30 to $40. And we all said, you know, no one, no one is going to. What could, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Bachelor party. Bachelor party and snowmobiles. What else do you need? Exactly. Guns? I guess. <laughs> so we, while we were learning how to ride the snowmobiles, uh, we were explicitly told to avoid what they call is the death grip, which means that as you get into trouble, you hold the handlebars harder, but in doing so, causes you to depress the throttle and accelerate. We got through almost the entire day. And we decided to go off a jump, which we were uh, contractually obligated not to do, but we're doing anyway. And uh, There's that third word. <laughs> and my, my, my friend goes off the jump, jump, hits the ground, starts careening off the snowmobile, and lo and behold, goes into the death grip scenario. Oh, God. Accelerates straight into a tree, uh, busting the fender on a snowmobile. We got it back to the rental place. And casually walked away, um, but <laughs> he did receive a cell phone call a little bit later, and had the epiphany that from then on he would, in fact, purchase the additional insurance. Joe, or no jumps with the rental car, or no it. jumps with the rental car. Joe, do you have a memorable rental car experience? Yeah, I put about fifteen hundred miles on a rental car last year. Were you just driving around the Beltway? I drove to Atlanta <laughs> and back. I was there for a week, and when I returned the car, the guy looked at, uh, I guess, the trip meter and was like, "Okay, so you." Wait, uh, this must be a mistake. Like, no, man, I just put 1,500 miles in your car. Sorry about You're that. You're welcome. Bill Mann? Well, this actually stars Tim Hansen, but uh, we'd gone to- As most of Bill's best stories yeah, exactly. do. Uh, we'd gone to Chile, and I had to go to the U.S. Embassy, and so Tim uh, dropped me off in front of the embassy and went and parked at a, uh, at, at a gas station across the street. Couldn't stay at the gas station, so Tim starts driving around waiting for me while I'm in the embassy. So I come running out of the embassy- 
Uh, and this sounds very Three Stooges like. It, <laughs> Sorry to interrupt somewhat, you. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, there was a third Stooge involved, and his name, let's call him Jaime, because Jaime was in another identical silver car that I proceeded to jump into, <laughs> say, okay, let's go. At which, you know, at which point he looks over and sees the large man sitting next to him somewhat surprisingly, and he says, oh, no. <laughs> so you just get in a stranger's car. Yeah. I believe Bill tried to carjack a Chilean gentleman. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, it mean, was an international incident. Were the police involved at any point? As far as you know. <laughs> All right. Bill Mann, Joe Mager, Tim Hanson. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Because they were still not there, I had to stand <laughs> out. And this guy just gave me the hairy eyeball for like another 10 minutes. Like, if this joker comes back to the car, I'm sweeping the leg. Like, <laughs> and then we roll into the parking lot. Bill sheepishly gets in the back seat. And like, it says, let's hey, go. Let's get it. Which way are we going? It doesn't matter. Hold <laughs> <Told> on. <out. laughs>